The eastern Caribbean island of Dominica shines for its natural beauty, its Creole culture, and as we discovered on our hike of segment six of the Waitukabuli National Trail, its Kalinago people. In terms of the legend of the Kalinago people, who believed once upon a time that the boa constrictor was a god. Dominica shows how it fuses music and Creole culture in its annual jazz and Creole festival. Anything Creole is a comparative advantage. Dominica's southern tip is a diver's and snorkeler's dream, thanks to places like Champagne Reef. Likening it to snorkeling or to swimming through a giant glass of champagne. Finally, we'll get perspectives on Dominica's many attractions that make the nature island worth visiting. You do Monbrose, the Botanic Gardens, Sulphur Springs, Trafalgar Falls, and something you did not see the Emerald Pool. Plus, we'll get some history on the capital of Rousseau as we explore all that Dominica has to offer on World Footprints Radio with Ian and Tanya Fitzpatrick. Later in the hour, we'll talk to Colin Piper of Discover Dominica from the Jazz and Creole Festival from the grounds of Fort Shirley. Colin shares how this important musical and cultural festival is growing and diversifying tourism on the island. Also coming up on World Footprints, we'll experience what it's like to swim in Champagne as we take you to Champagne Reef with Lucy Johnson to share the magic of this part of Dominica. And if you're ever at a loss of what to see and do on Dominica, ask for Margelle Durand, who'll take you to the very best places for food and fun on the island. We'll get his insider's perspective later in the show. First, the Waitukubuli National Trail is the first long-distance walking trail in the Caribbean. It is 115 miles long, and it includes 14 segments that span from the communities of Scott's Head in the south to the Cabrits National Park in the north. We hiked the Cultural and Heritage Segment number 6 through the Kalinago Territory with our guide, Derek Joseph. We are, we are on the segment of segment six of the Waitukubuli National Trail, and the Waitukubuli National Trail was named after the, the island itself, which the Kalinagos called Waitukubuli before it was given the name. Christopher Columbus gave it, discovered them on a Sunday. So we're on the Waitukubuli Trail, and this is the spot this, on the segment. We come into one of the interesting sites of the Kalinago territory in terms of the legend of the Kalinago people who believed once upon a time that the boa constrictor was a god, and we would do rituals, so they would... It came from the seabed when the world was still soft and left a replica of the underneath. And there we have two guys, or two chiefs, former chiefs who served as the leaders of the community and doing the rituals, the smoking tobacco, and they will be having the um, wishes granted. So they're doing some... So they would normally have, at times have a rooster, plain rooster, most of the time white, and they would cut off the neck of the rooster and spill the blood in the area of the snake. Mm-hmm. And at sometimes it would take the form of a white man with plain white clothes, and they would ha- make the wish. And so they would control the seas, the land, the women, and other 
in terms of the administrative work of the Kalinago people. We were on the lookout for boa constrictors along the trail when we came upon evidence that they were there in the area. And as you know, I'm not a big fan of snakes at all. Here we have. Snakes can. Snakes can. The whole street stuff. That is so special, yeah. It's attractive. Yeah. From afar. No, I'm not interested in touching it. (laughs) Yeah. The skin is very durable. Shoes, handbags. Hiking segment six is not for the faint of heart, but Derek and other Kalinago people in this territory travel this trail every day. He explains why the Kalinago settled for territory high up in the mountains. Now, how long is the uh, this segment of the trail? This one is just 15, 15 kilometers, 15 kilometers. Okay. And this is the last, of course, the home of the Kalinago Indians who are all over the island. But we had to move there, and it was established in 1903. And the, the actual age of land, just about 3,700 acres. And the population of, in, this, in those times today is just about 3,000 people, which we call the Carib Territory. Carib Territory? Oh, much more in the books, but mm. we're trying to go back to adopt to our Kalinago name. And we're naming it Kalinago Territory, but it has to be amended in all the other legislation in terms of mm-hmm. being officially recognized as the Kalinago Territory. So in Dominica, in the context of the laws and every other bylaws, it has been referred to as the Carib Territory. You can reach many of the communities by car, and that has allowed people in Kalinago Territory to build a wonderful, thriving community, as Derek explains. Well, actually, we just walked uh, at least one quarter of the entire segment of the trail, segment six, and we're coming from the most southern part of the community, which we call Sineku, and we just gone past through the school, which serving the, the community of Maori River, Gullet River, and Sineku, and it was dubbed the, less, the Sineku Primary School, but it's really situated in Maho River, one of the hamlets, and we have, we, of course, we have eight hamlets in the Kalinago territory, and we just... Well, again, this is the, most of the Kalinago people still today would be predominantly Catholic, just about 60%. And, of course, yeah, Sineco communities has always been said to be a little bit, in terms of the economic development of the Kalinago, a little bit behind back or lagging in terms of the economic activities. 
but as of since we have especially in the cynical community we are one of the, the doctors which is at the helm of the health fraternity of Dominican or at Princess Margaret Hospital serving in the capacity of Surgeon General so we have seen some big strides in terms of education and economic development from this community and the relevant communities of Gulf River and Maori. Despite our exhaustion, we enjoyed the cultural immersion that Segment 6 offered. Well, yeah, the Kalinago territory, since it's one of the most, in terms of the flagship of Dominica, is much more of heritage, tourism, and culture tourism. There's much more the persons would be going for this kind of trail to learn much more of the the, the Kalinago perspective in terms of the Dominican, the, the island of Dominica, and now how it has grown from this maybe 1978 since the Dominica gained its independence, because the Caribbean has had a, a lot to do with the Dominica gaining independence in 1978, and uh, from since then they, we have always played a big part in the tourism product of Dominica. Now this trail is physically demanding, so people have to. Uh, uh, be in some sort of shape to handle it? Well, again, the profile, though it's really in the books on the trails, uh, in terms of the profile, or they, they categorize it as one of the family hikes, but some people still would have trouble if you're not really fit, or you're not a seasoned hiker, or a bit hiker, you could have some difficulties of travels in the trail. Listening to World Footprints Radio with Ian and Tanya Fitzpatrick. We're traveling along segment six of the Waitukabuli National Trail with our guide, Derek Joseph. The terrain along segment six is unforgiving. Part of it is dry and offers no cover from the sun. Other parts took us through a rainforest where we felt like mountain climbers trying to navigate wet, slippery rocks. It took us six hours to complete only half of the trail. We called our car and took a very welcome break to enjoy some mangoes and cashews we picked up along the way, while Derek shared what life is like in the Kalinago Territory. Uh, Derek, uh, who sits here with us uh, as well, um, spent time uh, showing us, uh, taking us along a, a very... Challenging trail. Yeah, I'm in shape, okay? It, it, you know. It, it's tagged as moderate. There's nothing moderate about the trail. <laughs> <laughs> so Derek um, probably has about twenty years on me, so you know it you know, it wasn't easy for Tanya and me to do this. No, but it but it was <laughs> worth it. It was well worth it. So yes, it was. Derek, t- Derek, tell us a little bit about the trail that um, we walked along, and and really, the what is what it's like to uh, live uh, in the Kelanago territory here. Well, yeah, from a historical point, we've been on the island. Yeah. Well, Christopher Columbus came and find or saw the Kelanago go all over the island. He came uh, 1493 in the second voyage. Was lost at sea, thought he was heading to India and he ended up in the West Indies. So he made the Kalinagos. As a matter of fact, he started trading with the Kalinagos from the Indian River area, Uwayo, 
in those early days, it was called. But after the British and the French, after fighting over Dominica, the Kalinagos really didn't have any big stick in terms of determining the control of Dominica. So we were forced to this rugged part of Dominica, the Atlantic side. And this on this segment of six is you you would find yourself doing much more of the traditional life, the culture of the Kalinagos people today. And and from in terms of the Dominica, this is the only last stronghold of which it was established in 1903, the Kalinago territory. Ever since we've been trying to do as much as possible in terms of reclaiming or trying to regenerate or re-educate oneself about our history. So this is basically on the trail you've just come through from segment on segment six. And again, maybe in terms of your shape, in terms of the profile of the trail, it's been considered, I guess, in Dominical, Dominican context that is moderate, but maybe you've been <laughs> struggling with that respect. So this is yeah, much more of the, it's a unique trail, because again, it's the much more historical part of the Kalinago people. Again, if you were to understand, as Mr. Mr. Magel said, it would take much more than a day to understand, to diverse or immerse oneself into knowing much more of the Kalinago people. It's a big, long story stemming from 1493 all the way back. So in terms of trying to capture that in just three, five hours, it would be limited of time for you to get the gist of the Kalinago people. Music and cultural preservation were common themes we discovered during our time in Dominica. Derek even told us about his gift of music as we hiked along Segment 6 of the Waitakabuli National Trail. So before we left the Kalinago Territory, Derek treated us to song. So all the need lights when it's burning low Only meet the sun when it starts to snow Only know you love her when you let her go oh, Only know you've been high when you're feeling low Only hear the road when you're missing home Only know you love her when you let her go Staring at the same empty glass Hoping one day you make a dream last But dream comes slow and it goes so fast See you when you close your eyes Maybe one day you understand why Everything we touch surely dies Cause you only need the lights when it's burning low Only meet the sun when it starts to snow Only know you love when you let it go Staring at the ceiling in the dark Same old empty feeling in your heart Love comes slow and it goes so fast See you when you fall asleep Never to touch and you never to keep Cause you love her too much and you dive too deep Yeah Okay Cause No, not not I have I can sing one in my Kalinago like okay. I just see this is much more one of the songs which was used before they go to war so it go to king makunare to king minaratanara manare kokai mabisi kanakai to king makunare to king minaratanara manare kokai mabisi kanakai to king makunare to king to King Makunare, to King Minaratanara Manarikokaima Bisikanakaiwaku. Yeah. For more information about the Waitukabui National Trail on Dominica, 
visit Y2KabuliTrail.com. That's W-A-I-T-U-K-U-B-U-L-I-Trail.com. Also visit this show page on WorldFootprints.com for a direct link. In this Destination Spotlight, we walk through Dominica's capital, Rousseau, with local historian, Cozier Frederick, as he shares the origins of the country's capital. The history of, of Rousseau is, it begins with the kind of people, because first of all, it was a, a Carinago settlement. Um, it was called Sairi. So for a number of years, uh, before the colonial era, we realized, the, we, we, we found out that there was a settlement of Carinago people living in by the 1700s, um, the French came in and started a very, very small settlement. A settlement structured around wood cotton. So there's a wood cotton French community in Roseau. And they established this as the as area. Now the, Rose, the, the, the French have a very peculiar way of, of naming settlements. So when they came into, into this area, they, they found what they call the Roseau reeds, growing along the river and in this general area. So hence the name Rosu, named after the reeds that were found on the riverside and in the general area. Now if you look at if you look at this area from the sea, you see that we're actually in a, in a small delta. So what the French did, they established started here as their, their, their main settlement. And at a certain point they established the church. It's a Roman Catholic church up top on the hill. If you hear the old market which we are right now, you notice that it's present like my hand. We go around the bayfront, we go around to the Fortion up, up down south, we go to all of the streets. So here is the focal point and it spreads out in a fan shape. So that's how Rosal started off based on the French. Um, by the time the, the, the British came in, Bantain, back and forth, French, English, French, the English started developing the grid system. So when you go through Rosal, you see a grid system being set up. 
beyond this point. So at a certain time, this point was called the French Point. Um, and then we have a, a, a clearly defined grid system, which is uh, based on, on British design. So as you walk around, we see that this is the old market square. Um, it was a general place of, um, of interest for, for settlers on the island. At, at, the, at the varying points of the history, it was the, the focal area. And a sad part of our history, but also important part, is that we, there was slavery on the island. So this was actually an auctioning point for, for African mm. slaves. Fort Shirley is considered Dominica's most important historic site. In 1802, the fort was the site of a revolt by African slave soldiers whose actions led to the freeing of slave soldiers in the British Empire. Fort Shirley is a UNESCO World Heritage Site, and we learn from Colin Piper, it's also the place where music fuses with culture in Dominica's annual jazz and Creole festival. We have a festival called the World Creole Music Festival that's in its 19th edition. And part of the objectives of establishing that festival was to help with the visitor arrival, from a tourism perspective, to help with the visitor arrival surrounding our independent celebration. It turned out that October was in the bottom quartile, you know, as in 10, 11, 12 of 12 months in terms of the visitors. And then 19 years ago in the establishment, now it is in the top three. So I recognized that and I said, you know, May, we have a... Uh, Trough recorded meaning that we don't have uh, a lot of visitors coming into the destination, and so we need to create something to help them. Um, and so that was the genesis of the idea to do something. We all, I, I, and I figured out that um, anything Creole is a comparative advantage, you know, because that's just in our blood. Uh, we changed hands between the French and the English three times, and, sorry, four times, and um, we, there's a certain Creology about Dominique, the people, and what we speak, and, and so we figured... Uh, Let's look at something. Carnival time, we have the Calypso and that type of thing. World Creole time, we have the Soak. Um, so let's bring in jazz. And May is uh, a month for jazz in the region. You have a couple other jazz festivals in the region. We should partner it with Creole. And so in May, that's what we did. So we're coming up on seven years. Seven years. And we're pleased thus far. Well, fantastic. Now, we're here outside of Portsmouth here. Tell us about the venue here, the location where we are for the festival. So, um, we, um, one of the things we certainly wanted to do was uh, utilize the, uh, the natural assets of Dominica. And I've long since felt that um, Fort Shirley is just a wonderful, wonderful venue. Um, and so I really wanted to do something with it. And it seemed to be the right fit. Jazz, family-oriented, mellow, uh, just in keeping with the natural environment in the 
backdrop, you've got uh, Prince Rupert Bay, where a lot of the yachts come in, the natural harbor. Um, and then you've got just the, the vegetation, you know, the hills. And so we just, we just felt it was a wonderful um, setting to, uh, to couple this uh, wonderful music genre with uh, what it is that's unique to Dominica. And so while we're talking about music, we're also talking about the menu. And it's a win-win situation. You're listening to World Footprints Radio with Ian and Tanya Fitzpatrick. We're talking to Colin Piper of Discover Dominica from the Jazz and Creole Festival at the picturesque Port Shirley. Now this festival has grown tremendously over those seven years and I'm sure you can attest to that. Where do you see this festival going uh, over the next several years in terms of drawing more visitors, uh, you know, more of an international flavor. It's gone from being a local thing to a regional thing, and it's just really on the cusp here of, yeah. of becoming something huge. We, um, budget-wise, it's going to be very difficult for us to take this thing truly international in terms of the acts, and because of some of the challenges we have with their access and the like. Um, but we are very comfortable with it as a regional, uh, because... Uh, a lot of Caribbean people travel for events. And so if everybody here can tell a friend next year and they come, then we will be growing it at a fast pace. And that's what we're looking for. So we're looking to keep the music jazzy but regional in its uh, origins. Um, and we're looking to keep the audience regional as well. So that's what we're going to focus on, I would say, for the next couple of years. We might have an invited guest. Um, that's an international artist to bring a little more uh, media uh, presence to the event. Uh, but we believe that if we grow it organically by letting the locals embrace it, uh, by letting the, 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 the regional people embrace it as their own, that it will be sustainable. It'll be more sustainable. Because they'll be able to come back and say, boy, I remember when I went to that thing in the second or its third year, you know, and come back and the setting. You know, we're hoping to make improvements this year, um, but we want to we want to keep it regional at present, uh, but maximize the reach. And as you will listen throughout uh, the day, you will see that some of these, most of these, are regional acts, but they're international in their quality, and that's what we want to do. Also, use this as a stage to help propel some of the artists to higher arts. And as you touched on earlier, this also is a family-friendly event. We're looking right now at the kids' play area where there's a... Where there's Bouncy a Castle. Bouncy Castle, the uh, ball pen, yeah. and all sorts of things for kids. So there's something yeah. really for everyone. Yeah. We really want to we really wanna embrace that, and that's uh, indicative in just the way we price. Kids below 12 are free. Uh, kids between 12 and 18 are $25, and adults are 75 So we want the parents to come and feel comfortable bringing the kids. And there's uh, security around, there's the bouncy castle, there's the face painting, there's the, the sand painting. There's all these activities for the kids to engage in so that the parents can get a little time on their own and feel secure. We started the afternoon in daylight, so you've got a good four hours of daylight where you're not concerned about where your kids are. And that's one of the things that we wanted. Secondly, 
if you bring the kids into an environment like this and they start talking about jazz, you know, it it helps with their social, mm -hmm. you know, indoctrination just into uh, into society, and that's one thing that we would like to do. Colin Piper, thank you so much for having us here at the Creole and Jazz Fest here outside of Portsmouth and Dominica. Thank you so much. Thank you. All right. For more on the Jazz and Creole Festival, look for the link to Culture, Heritage, and Festivals under the What to Do tab at discoverdominica.com or visit the show page at worldfootprints.com for a direct link. that if Christopher Columbus were to return to today's modern world, Dominica is the only island he would recognize. You're listening to World Footprints Radio with Ian and Tanya Fitzpatrick. Just ahead, we will sit down with Lucy Johnson of Champagne Reef Dive and Snorkel as she allows snorkelers and scuba divers to feel the tickle of champagne bubbles while swimming at Champagne Reef. And later, Dominican native Margelle Durand will give us an insider's perspective on what visitors should see and do on Dominica. If you want more travel experiences beyond this radio show, visit our website, worldfootprints.com. southern tip is a divers and snorkelers dream thanks to unique spots like champagne reef if you're even the slightest bit curious as to what it's like to experience a bit of the bubbly in champagne reef pay a visit to this magical part of dominica as we did with the help of lucy johnson of champagne reef dive and snorkel what is the history behind naming this area champagne reef all right, um, the main reason behind Champagne Reef, um, you just came from snorkeling, yeah? Yes. All right, so you would have seen the bubbles. Yes. All right, <laughs> so it's likely to snorkeling or to swimming through a giant glass of champagne. So therefore, um, the bubbles, the geothermal bubbles, which comes from the seafloor um, through a volcanic activity, of course. You're on the Nature Island, which is very volcanic. So Champagne Reef, of course, uh, champagne, bubbles, bubbly, Champagne Reef, yes. <laughs> now, uh, are we in an active volcanic area? 
um, is relatively inactive. Dominica is, is naturally a volcanic island and um, you will see evidence of the volcanic activity. For example, if you go through various parts of the island, you will be seeing the, um, the hot sulfur springs, the natural sulfur springs. Um, Champagne is, is no different. Um, it's just the gases that are escaping from the seafloor. So it's inactive. Thankfully, it's inactive right now. But yes, it does lend to um, the history of the area. Mm-hmm. And are, are you a scuba diver yourself? Um, no, I am not. I am one of the, what we refer to as the dry persons. Okay. <laughs> uh, most of, of my activity is detailed really up front, um, at front desk. Mm-hmm. Now, your company, Champagne Reef, uh, it, diving and snorkeling where else do you take people i mean we've heard for years dominica is one of the premier dive spots in the world and at champion reef of course dive and snorkel our backyard is really champion reef so we do the various location in and around champion reef champion the main reef and the wreck which is right in our backyard also um, we also ventured to Scotshead and Sofia, the various sites along those lines. Yes, we do dive them and we also snorkel them also. So um, being located at the, at, the, at the southern tip of the island lends to us using this area really as our um, sites for diving and snorkeling. You're from this area originally, yes? I am from Dominica, yes. Yes, I am more from the rainforest area, but yes, I'm from Dominica, yes. And what do you love about your island? Oh, my island is beautiful. I love our culture. I love our history. I love our people. And our natural, I mean, Dominica is all natural. As, um, as the saying goes, if Columbus would have come back to the islands, the only place he would recognize would be Dominica. For a first-time visitor, where would you tell them they must see? What are some of the must-see places? Of course, I'm going to say Champion Reef. Of course. Yes. <laughs> so we're going to go Champion Reef, diving and snorkeling. Um, you want to do the falls. We have a number of falls around the island. We have the Victoria Falls. We have the Trafalgar Falls. Um, we have our natural trails, the hiking trails. Try some of our local cuisine. Um, try our local food. Excellent, excellent, excellent. Well, talk, talk a little bit about the cuisine. You know, what... I've been asking several people throughout this trip, what is a, a staple dish? What is a popular dish here on the island? And one person mentioned green bananas and salted fish, but that's the only response I've gotten. Do you have others? Uh, green bananas and salted fish is, 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 is something that you get. To, you can have it for breakfast, you can have it for lunch, you can have it for dinner. Uh, we have a lot of our local stews. Um, you can do the stew with the fish, you can do, you can do the stew with the pork, you can do it with the beef. Um, rice and peas, green bananas, dumplings, breadfruit, avocados. Yes, everything locally grown makes for a great meal on the island. This is World Footprints with Ian and Tanya Fitzpatrick, and we are exploring Champagne Reef with Lucy Johnson. Well... What do you love most about this area that we're in? I, I know right now we're in iguana mating season, and I, <laughs> I just saw a family of chickens stroll by. There's <laughs> a lot of wildlife here. Yes, at Champion Reef Dive and Snorkel, um, we, we continue to coexist with whatever was there eight years ago before we started, and we coexist with it. As you can see, we still have all the trees overhanging. We still have the, all the iguanas roaming freely, um, not being disturbed. If chickens come by, great. Um, I love this area more so um, because in my office space, what we refer to our office space, our backyard, I mean, when you look out your 
window, so to speak, you got the ocean. You hear these nice, lovely waves, waves just lapping through. Right. Very calming, very soothing, very relaxing. And then you get to meet a lot, a lot of great people, um, <laughs> in and out. I mean, it's just, it's, 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 it's just fantastic. I would love to have your, your office space here, your open yes. office space. <laughs> it's, it's great. Like, we are here, we're outside. Right. Yes? And you've you got the ocean. I mean, you've got people going through. You got the smells of, of the cafe coming through, and it's, it's just, I mean, work has been done, yes, but um, it's just very relaxing, and it, it makes for a very productive, enjoyable working environment. Yes. How would people find your company? All right, we're on the website, um, on the internet. Our website is champagnereef.com. We're also on our island map, um, TripAdvisor, any of the international um, avenues, medias, we can, we can be found there. And for uh, the divers and the snorkelers out there, um, what is what are the, the price points for equipment for a dive trip, and how long do they last? Are they one or two tank dives? Right. Um, our dive, our, let's do the snorkeling first. The snorkeling package. We have a great snorkeling package, very affordable. It's 19 US per person, and that includes your party certified guide. For example, Vaughn, who went out with you earlier on, yes. and um, any equipment that you may require. Some persons prefer to have their own personal gear. That is fine. If you don't have it, we simply just throw it in for you. And um, we operate within the Marine Reserve, Scottsdale Supreme Marine Reserve, and it's a protected area. So as part of the contribution, there's a 2 US fee attached to all activities within the reserve. So um, the $19, 19 US dollars includes the 2 US for the access to the marine reserve. Um, with the diving, or diving packages, we, we do it in a way that it suits our client's schedule. So for example, we have one tank dives, we have two tank dives. Um, we can do a three tank dive if, if the client so opt to do so during the day. A, a one tank dive typically would cost in the area of 60 US. And um, for a two-tank, it would be 89 US. Um, and you build on it as we, we go along, we build on it, and we offer special packages tailored to suit the clients. I have to say that is very reasonable to uh, swim yeah. into uh, paradise. <laughs> yes, it is, it is, it is. And, and we strive to, to, to keep things as affordable and, and reasonable as possible um, within the growing trends on the market right now. Well, Lucy, thank you so much for hosting us on this snorkel trip, which is absolutely beautiful. The wildlife, uh, I, I was pleasantly surprised to see as many uh, variety of fish and uh, other you know, organi organisms uh, as we did. Okay. Well, it's been our pleasure hosting you, and we hope to see you and Ian back again with us um, soon, and hopefully this time we can do the dive in this time. Alrighty. Yes, you did see um, with snorkeling this. It's, 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 you got to see quite a bit that you would do with diving. With diving, as you know, it's a lot more intimate. To plan your diving or snorkeling adventure to Champagne Reef, visit ChampagneReef.com. We'll also have a link to that website on this show page at WorldFootprints.com. In this Destination Spotlight, Dominican historian Cozier Frederick talks about Creole culture as a multicultural one. 
impacting everything from music, dance to food, as we explore the botanical garden in Rousseau. Dance is an important part of, of this, this heritage. Um, for, for a very long time, aspects of, 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 of African dance have been part of the Dominican construct as part of, and, and, and coined as cultural dances. So we have a ballet, it is a reserve directly into the African continent. But also we have uh, a quadrille, uh, which is similar to, to European um, square dances in a sense. Hmm. We also have that also, which is very, very important. Notwithstanding these two influences, so there's an African influence for, for the ballet, and after the quadrille and the heel and two and the polkas, etc., from, from Europe. There's also a resurgence of, 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 a, of a Kainago heritage, Kainago dance, which was brought about by a kind of renaissance in the 80s when young Kainago people were looking for an identity, while African Americans were looking for the black, only black power movement, mm-hmm. with, you know, a little bit for Kainago heritage. So all of this is part of the, the cultural heritage, and it, it's wonderful because it, um, everyone on the island appreciates all of these various aspects, so there's no conflict with these various aspects. Mm-hmm. We're part of the heritage. The, the song is important, but the song, because um, many have argued, like myself, that um, all of the Creole music in the Caribbean region, those in Guadeloupe and Martin, they all evolved from Dominica. Mm-hmm. And they got a very, very rich, in, in the 70s, there's a very, very rich um, 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 music, musical brotherhood, in a sense. So quite a few of these musicians would have created, for example, the Zouk, which is sung in, in Guadeloupe, is, is, has 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 a, has an evolutionary start here in Dominica because a lot of the musicians actually went to these countries to record, to exchange ideas, etc. That's why a lot of the people from the French departments appreciate the music comes of the sort of Agas, or Calypso, etc., which is a kind of water, a kind of um, variation to the Calypso done in Trinidad, etc. Mm-hmm. So all of this. And what is also interesting also is the cuisine. Because we have, a, we have a wonderful array of um, what we have in traditional foods. So uh, most of it come out, comes out of the Kalago experience and the Korean experience because we see that breadfruit and bananas are being used in creative ways. The ability to enjoy a destination like a local provides an impactful travel experience. Dominican native Margelle Durand gives us a local's perspective and lots of insider's tips. If you're ever at a loss as to what to see and do in Dominica, ask for Margelle. He knows the very best places for food and fun on the island, and yes, he's an award-winning driver as well. If you're into ecotourism and Hollywood trivia, the murky river of mystery that made its way into scenes in Pirates of the Caribbean is a must-see. The Indian River teems with wildlife and is popular with ecotourists visiting Dominica. The Indian River is part of the natural sites, ecosites of Dominica. And it's one of 365 rivers on the island, but it's very, very different in that while the orders, the water is very clear. The Indian River, it's, a, it's, it's murky, it looks dirty brown, chocolate brown, all because of sulfur deposits and other deposits at the bottom of the water. And it's, it's, it's a haven for, for certain species of migrant birds because there are lots of um, trees, especially a mangrove, plant trees up there where they can nest. It's also a good area for the boa constrictor, which live on the outskirts, especially on the southern banks of the, of the river. Mm-hmm. And 
Additionally, there are a number of, of fishes, especially barracuda. They, they swim from the, the sea when, you know, when the sea is raging during hurricanes and storms, and they go up the river and shelter. Staying in the north, Cabret's National Park and the British-built Fort Shirley is a near-perfect blend of nature and historic architecture. Fort Shirley is the largest fort, or well, let's say it was the largest fort on island. It covers a total of 1,313 acres of land, 269 of which the background in dry scrub woodland. And you do the math so you'll know how many acres are below mm -hmm. water. It's the only national park like that in Dominica. And up at Fort Shirley, if you go around it, you have the East Cabrit and the West Cabrit. Now, Cabrit is spelled C-A-B-R-I-T, which is a French name for goat. For goat? Goat, yes. And Dominica changed hands several times from the arrival of Columbus in 1493. And there were several wars fought between England and France. So whoever occupied that garrison would make certain changes, but generally the, the, um, the features remain the same. Nature's grandeur strikes an iconic pose at Trafalgar Falls and envelops you at Boiling Lake. Two geologic must-sees on Margelle's list. There, you have the opportunity to actually hike over rocks, if you have the ability to do that and get a swim in the cold water because there's a big pool at the base of the, of the bigger falls. You notice there are two of them. Locally, we call them the Mother Falls and the Father Falls. Mm -hmm. In addition to that, the one on the left, which you call the Mother Falls, generally in Dominica, we say um, fathers are smaller and women are, are mothers are slightly bigger. So the one on the left, it has this independent source, which is the freshwater lake. And before the passage of Hurricane Marilyn in 1995, you could also hike there to the waterfall up to about 60, 70 feet on the rocks. And there you would immerse yourself in a pool of warm sulfur water. But nature and the topography we had had the last laugh. So Hurricane Marilyn brought down some huge rocks and it blocked the water. But the water was able to find itself, you know, through the rocks and meander to the base of a trail that you must have noticed from the platform. So when you go there, there's a pool mm -hmm. you can also enjoy. The, the, the one on the right, the bigger fall, which is about 80 feet drop, the other one is about 125, has its independent source as well. But this one comes from the Breakfast River, and the Breakfast River is forms part of the hiking trail from the Tito Gorge to the Boiling Lake. You crossed that Breakfast River about five times. And it was called Breakfast River because most hikers who go to the Boiling Lake, you have to travel with your little snacks and things. They would sit down by the, by the river, eat their snacks, take their breakfast, and continue the journey to the, to the Boiling Lake. And you said that takes a day. That's a full Yes, day it takes hike. good, I mean, good hikers, yes. Caters six and a half, seven hours. If you do it before that, that's fine. And it's very important that when you come to Dominica and you're doing a hike to the Boiling Lake, you engage the services of a tour guide. You, it, it, it's, it's a must. They, they charge about four, between $40 and $50 a person. Mm -hmm. 
it's important because along the main trail there are several off trails and in the Dominican jungle if you take the wrong trail you will get lost. Watton Waven, just a short drive from Rousseau, has emerged as Dominica's Center for Natural Holistic Health thanks to abundant sulfur spring baths and spas. Watton Waven is also part of the ecotourism sites and island. Again, it's not far from town. A taxi fare from the Rosa Christian book to Watton Waven and back is 20 US dollars a person with an entrance fee to enter the, the spas because they are privately owned. But Watton Waven is part of the volcanic nest of Dominica. Dominica is home to nine active volcanic centers. And in Watton Waven, it's part of the, what we call the Rosso Valley, which we as taxi operators in Dominica classify as the tourism capital of Dominica, because there are several beautiful sites there. And because of the, all the fumes that's emanating from the earth, and springs are coming up everywhere, the water from the springs are hot. This is World Footprints Radio with Ian and Tanya Fitzpatrick, and we're learning more about the sensational attractions of Dominica from Margel Durand. And more steam comes up from the ground, because when the rain falls, the water soaks into the ground, it meets the hot rocks below, it forces the steam out of the ground. So the, the, the first one, which is higher up, and the original one was discovered around 1814, and it's a small pool of, of boiling sulfurous water. And when you look at it, it's, um, it's, it's a perfect replica of what the boiling lake looks like. It's smaller, yes, because the boiling lake is 200 feet in diameter, but this one is just about six, seven feet in diameter. But you can actually see the see and hear the water bubbling. So all this water filters down. So the, 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 the people of Water Waven found, you know, that they could make some investment in that. Mm-hmm. So a number of them have tapped this water at various points, built those spas, and then they charge a fee. The water looks chocolate brown, but it has a lot of medicinal effect. The southern tip of Dominica is one of its most picturesque where the Atlantic Ocean meets the Caribbean Sea in the fishing village of Scott's Head. Nearby, Soufriere and its bay welcomes divers and snorkelers alike. Yeah, Soufriere, as the name implies, as it comes from the volcanic business. And it is one of the best places to snorkel and scuba dive in Dominica in particular because the water is extremely deep. And the president of the Water Sports Association, Mr. Simon Walsh, has conducted a number of training sessions with my association. And he has has informed us that the water there, the the, the drops, the shake cliffs, you know, just from the hilltop, just go straight down all the way up to 800 feet deep. And there, the underwater life is, is spectacular too. But Sufria historically is, is, is a hot area. It's in the southern tip of the island. You have a volcano called Mon Mon Plat Pei, just to the, to the east of it. So there's a lot of volcanic activity there. Hmm. Um, and because of that, the, the government has built five hot water spas, their pools for the locals. Well, visitors go there too, but it's mainly for the locals, so the locals enjoy it. But both Sufria and Scots, but Sufria and Scots, both of them are very productive fishing villages on island. And 
they go out fishing sometimes twice a day, a variety of fish from Mai Mai to tuna to marlin, kingfish, snapper, whatever they can find. And down at Scott's End is the southernmost village on the island. It's the area where the Caribbean Sea meets the Atlantic Ocean. The Caribbean Sea washes the west coast of Dominica, the leeward side, and the Atlantic Ocean washes the leeward side or the eastern side. And therefore, it's a beautiful sight. You walk, you actually walk between the two seas on a path, and then if you have strong legs and good hiking shoes for the day, you can take a stroll up the Scots Head point. On that point, on a bright day, you can see all the way down to Salisbury in the north, and you get the perfect landscape of um, Colliho, all the way down to the banks of um, Point Run. As we wrap up our Dominican adventure, just a few points of attention for any traveler's itinerary. So for the first time traveler to Dominica, where are some of the spots you would tell them they should definitely see? Okay, first of all, I strongly recommend a visit to Mount Bruce, which is part of an old military fort again. A visit to the beautiful Botanic Gardens. And Montrose is where we went. Yes, that's the viewpoint, the spectacular viewpoint, which is just about Beautiful. 500 yes. feet. Mm -hmm. yeah. So, depending on how long you want to stay out, you do Montrose, the Botanic Gardens, Sulphur Springs, Trafalgar Falls, and something you did not see, the Emerald Pool. Yes. That will take about four to five hours. Four to five hours. To see all of those yes, places? Yes, four to five hours. Mm -hmm. There's an entrance fee of $5 per person to the Trafalgar Falls and the Emerald Pool. Okay. Um, you can do a full day. Dominica is only 289.9 square miles, but don't be fooled. You can never cover the island in a day. Never. So if you're on island for let's say seven days, you can cover the island, you know, and then you contract one driver, you can, you agree on a price, and he or she will take you along. Mm -hmm. And always question your driver, you know, about the things you want to know, mm -hmm. you know, be open and ask the question. Thank you, Margell. Because of Margell, we experienced a lobster feast for the ages at the Sunset Bay Club. Never in my life have I had so much lobster. surprised after talking about Dominica as many times as we have that people still confuse Dominica with the Dominican Republic and the island is very very different it's a French Caribbean island located between Martinique and Guadeloupe and it was a memorable experience uh, for me dear most memorable or one of the most memorable things was that hike that grueling hike 
we did a long segment six. I thought I was going to die. And the funny thing about it is that segment six, as Derek kind of alluded, is actually meant to be the Heritage Trail because it takes you through the uh, community there where the Kalinago people live. And so it's actually meant to be easy, but I think Dominicans have a uh, somewhat twisted sense of humor in terms of what's easy relative to them versus what's easy for us because that hike was pretty challenging and and, and we had some challenges some physical challenges but we made it through and it, it was worth it to me and you know just because I was so hot and tired and thirsty and hungry we picked up mangoes and cashews on the dirt path and we washed them off. We were able to find a well pump. And Derek actually broke cashews on the, the ground. And we ate them right out of the shell. And I was filthy dirty. And with nowhere to wash my hands. And I did not care. <laughs> um, and I tell you, the mango that we picked up off the ground uh, and, and ate was one of the most tastiest mangoes I've ever had. And you know, speaking of food, the lobsters we just talked about. I have never seen a plate of 30 lobsters. We had 30 small lobsters on our plate that uh, that we consumed over a couple of days. We had so many, I didn't even bother to count them. So I'm, I'm pretty amazed that we really ate that many lobsters. But it was a, uh, it was a feast to remember. And Among the other things that I recall from that time there is that the island really is quite hilly, and because of that, it's got some dramatic vistas, as we saw from Scott's Head. But because of the volcanoes, it's got some nice things that we were able to experience when we went to Watton Woven and uh, experienced Tia's and the and the sulfur spring pool there that we were able to spend some time in relaxing and also Champagne Reef, which I know for you was one of those things and you took some great underwater pictures there as well. That I hope to produce into a video and, and share uh, with our World Footprints uh, audience. Yeah, there there were so many things, you know, the Caribbean islands, whether you're um, in the uh, U.S. Virgin Islands, British Virgin Islands, uh, French Caribbean Islands, uh, West Indies. All of the islands are very, very different and have something very unique to offer. And we certainly found that on uh, Dominica. And I will say it's called the Nature Island for a reason. It's the least developed island in the whole Caribbean region, I think. Um, quite modern, uh, but least developed, and, and that's part of its beauty. Because of natural disasters, some of the infrastructure uh, has not been repaired. Um, but besides that, you know, the people are beautiful. The food is fantastic. Uh, it is a gorgeous, gorgeous green island and, and certainly worth seeing. So as we close, we'd like to leave you with a quote from Martin Yan. People who don't travel cannot have a global view. All they see is what's in front of them. Those people cannot accept new things because all they know is where they live. Thank you for joining us today. 
On World Footprints, we're Ian and Tanya Fitzpatrick, and we look forward to sharing our next adventure with you on World Footprints Radio. World Footprints Radio with Ian and Tanya Fitzpatrick is a production of World Footprints Media, Silver Spring, Maryland. The multi-award-winning radio show can be heard around the globe on iHeartRadio, Stitcher, iTunes, and more. Visit worldfootprints.com for a complete list. World Footprints Radio is a leading voice in socially responsible travel. At worldfootprints.com, you'll find an archive of past broadcasts, travel news, reviews, and information you can use to deepen your travel experience. Listen, learn, and live it at worldfootprints.com.